Last summer, it was uh, Friday, it was my day off, and Nate, one of our other pastors here at Exponential, he gave me a call, which was sort of rare because normally on my day off, he, he doesn't call, so I thought, well, I, I better take it. Now, at the time, I was actually standing outside, and, and my air conditioning unit was running, our pool pump was running, and so I get my cell phone, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And what I heard him say is he said, Nick has been arrested. There's a, an article about to come out in the, the newspaper about it online. And right away, I just, like, my heart just sunk. I was sick to my stomach. I was like, what in the world? This is, this is horrible, horrible news. And, and the reason it was hitting me so hard was he had said that Nick had been arrested. Now, Nick was our brand new executive director for our denomination in our region, and I was a part of the team that had just hired him just a couple months before that. And so you can imagine why I'm feeling like so sick to my stomach and stuff. It's like, how did I miss this? You know, what's going on? And so I hung up with, with Nate. I go back inside. I get on the computer. I go to the, the webpage of the newspaper that was, you know, going to have this article coming out. Sure enough, within a couple minutes, I refresh the page. There's this, like, right there on the homepage, this big headline, Pastor Arrested. And so I, like, click the link. And I go in, it didn't mention Nick's name, but it starts talking about all these things. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so horrible. And it was like 30, 40 years in the past that it had happened. And I was like, oh man. And so I, I texted Nate and I'm like, this is, this is just bad. And I was like, I, I can't believe that we missed it, but it was so many years ago. And, and he had to have been just like a teenager or something when this happened, because I'm like trying to do the math in my head. And it's like, this doesn't make sense what, what's going on here. And Nate's like, text back, he says, no, I think it just happened this week. And I said, let, let me read the article again. So I get back online, and I click the article, and I read it, and I text him back. I was like, no, this, it's just like 40 years ago. He's like, are we reading the same article? <laughs> and so he sends me a link. Turns out it was something completely different. And there actually had been a, a pastor in our denomination who had been arrested, but what Nate had told me on the phone was that Nick had called him to tell him that somebody had been arrested and that an article was coming out. And the reason that, that Nick had called Nate was Nate's a part of our administrative council for our region. I'm also, at the time, was a part of the administrative council for the region. And so Nate was supposed to call me to let me know so that we could be aware of what was happening and start to pray about what our response was going to be. But all I heard on the phone, because of all the noise, is that Nick arrested an article. That, that's basically all I heard. You ever been there before, where you thought you heard something, but yet you didn't actually really hear it? How many of you confess to that? How many of you would say it happens with your spouse? That, yeah, honey, I, I heard you, but yet you, you didn't actually hear them, right? <laughs> It's a, a very dangerous place to be when you think you hear one thing, but you hear something else. Now, I, I shared that story at the beginning for two reasons. Number one, pray for pastors, because it just happened to be just a weird twist of fate that actually two pastors in the area have been arrested on the same day, and there's two big articles in the newspaper. Now, I happen to be reading the wrong article. The, the other one, which was, in my mind, just as bad, was sort of relegated to a, another uh, page. So, so pray for pastors. We're people too, right? We can, we can mess up. We're just as susceptible to sin as what anybody else is. But again, the, the, the major point was to say we've got to be careful 
about what we're hearing because we may think that we hear the right thing, but the reality is we didn't actually hear it. And so today we are beginning a brand new series called Parables, and we're going to look at exactly what is a parable and why is it that this was Jesus' favorite method of, of teaching and, and just sharing these stories. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to Matthew chapter 13, that's where we're going to hang out today, Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures will be provided on the screen here if you're live with us. If you're watching online, we welcome you. And if you actually right now go into the upper right-hand corner of your screen, there's a button there called Talk Notes, and you'll be able to download all the scriptures I'm going to be talking about as well as the various points I'm going to be talking about. For those of you that are live, if you go to your smartphone, go to our website, exponential.church, you can go to our digital bulletin, and all the notes will be provided for you there as well. So let's get right into it. If you're taking notes today, what is a parable? Well, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral lesson or a spiritual truth. So again, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral lesson or spiritual truth. Basically, a parable is just simply like an analogy that you use to help to illustrate something that you're talking about. I'll give you an example. Last week, I shared with you as we wrapped up the battle-tested series, my story of being down in Costa Rica and, and rappelling down through seven different waterfalls. Now, why did I tell that story? Did I tell it just so it's like, oh, wow, look at the cool thing that Gilbert got to do? No, I told that story. Why? Because I said, look, to repel, you have to do what with the rope? You have to... You have to trust the rope. You have to lean all the way back so that your feet are flat up against the side of the wall. And of course, the spiritual lesson from that then was it's the same way with our faith. We have to learn to lean into Jesus, to fully trust Jesus at all times and in all ways. So basically, I told a, a parable. I, I told a, a story. And, you know, recently, in fact, in the battle-tested series, we talked about a couple of the parables. We talked about the parable of the talents. You remember that? And we talked about a couple weeks ago the, the parable of the sower and the seed and of the soil. And when I, I shared that particular story with you, if you remember, I told you the beginning of it, I told you the end of it, and I just sort of summarized the middle part of it. Well, I want to go back today and actually look at that part that I sort of skipped and, and summarized on that day. Because what's going to happen, and this is so weird, is that even though a parable is something that's supposed to help to illustrate a story... Jesus is actually going to tell the disciples that sometimes I tell these stories in order to make sure that only those who truly have ears to hear will actually understand it. In other words, sometimes he's going to tell these stories in such a way that it's going to obscure the truth rather than to help to illustrate the truth. So let, let's uh, jump right in here. And, and if all that sounded confusing to you, by the way, just, just stick with me. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. We read this. He, meaning Jesus, told many stories in the form of what? In the form of parables, such as this one. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and then he went on to tell the story. Again, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, what that all meant of planting the seeds. Skip down then to verses 9 to 10. After Jesus tells this story, he says, anyone with ears to do what? Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Now, the disciples here, they ask this question, why are you using these stories when you talk to the people? What we'll discover later is they actually didn't understand the story. So they were just sort of using this as a, hey, when you talk to those people, you know, why, why do you do this? But in reality, they're going, okay, we don't understand what this means. Could you explain this whole story to us? 
And so Jesus is going to actually go through here and he's going to explain to him, okay, why is it that sometimes I'm using this language and I'm telling these stories that people simply don't understand? And the, the point that partially I want to make with this is, have you ever like been reading the Bible or you heard a sermon and you're like, I'm sure that's like really good, but I just don't understand. You ever been there before that you just simply, you, you don't understand it? Well, you're in good company because the disciples... They're like, dude, we don't understand this. You're going to need to explain it to us. So again, don't beat yourself up about that. However, this brings up uh, another question. Why is it that sometimes Jesus would do this? Why is it that sometimes we don't have a, a clue what Jesus is talking about? You know, if the Bible is really true, why is it that when we open it up, like, an angel just doesn't, like, pop right out of the pages going, listen to this, this is true. Let me tell you what it means. Or, or why is it that when, like, somebody's criticizing the Bible, God doesn't do, like, one of those Darth Vader, like, chokeholds on the person, like, just sort of lift them up off the ground going, listen to me. This is true. You ever thought about that? Why doesn't God make his word and the, the, the truth of his word more obvious and evident to us? And actually, some critics of the Bible, they actually say that. They're like, if Jesus was really God, then he would have just come right out and said it more plainly than what you Christians say that he did. He just gone, hey guys, I'm God. Now watch me levitate. Right? And so they said, since Jesus didn't do these things, that makes it pretty obvious then that he didn't even believe he was God, and therefore that he wasn't God at all. Now, again, they have a little bit of a point in the sense of why was it that Jesus didn't make it more plain? Well, thankfully, he's going to actually answer that over the next couple of verses here. Look at verse 11. Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Now let me be very, very clear. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven can be given to anybody. It can be granted to anybody. But Jesus says, let him who has ears hear and let them listen and understand. Which brings me to the first point. If you're taking notes... All insight I have in the spiritual truths is a gift given to me by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you are not smart enough yourself to understand this book. You yourself are not smart enough to understand all the mysteries of God and of the kingdom. You're just simply not. If you understand anything about this, it's because God has granted that to you. You know, we have a great example of this. Uh, Peter, one day Jesus comes to him and he's like, Peter, um, what, what, what's the word on the street? You know, what is it that people are talking about me? You know, what, what are they saying about me? Peter's like, man, they are coming up with all kinds of things. They're like saying, some of you are going, that, well, you, you must be Elijah. You're the, the prophet Elijah. You, you've come back. Some of them are saying that you're one of the other prophets that's come back. Some of you are saying that you're, you're John the Baptist, you know, reincarnated. He's like, hmm, 
That's interesting. And then he says this in Matthew 16, 15 to 17. Jesus asked Peter, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Notice here that Jesus doesn't say, Peter, oh my goodness, you are, <laughs> you are so smart, Peter. How do you do it? I, I just have to sit down here, take a load off, because I am just so impressed by you. In fact, here's a gold star to go put on your wall at home. You are just so smart. I mean, you are smarter than everybody else, and you figured it all out. Is that what Jesus said? No. He said, this has been revealed to you, and no human being has taught this to you. The Apostle Paul, at one point in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, he says this, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see, sin so clouds our heart, so clouds our minds, that we can't truly see who God is. We can't grasp the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It has to be something that's been granted to us. Now, let me illustrate this for you, and I'm going to take it out of the spiritual realm. So, listen, I am not talking anything spiritual here, right? I'm going to make a point with this. However, I think we have something in our society right now that illustrates this perfectly. Right now, there are some people, including some of you, that are so against the president and so biased against the president that it clouds your mind and your judgment towards anything and everything that he does. Now, don't get me wrong. He does some bad stuff. I don't agree with everything the man does. And by the way, no matter who our president is, we need to pray for our president. If they're Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter whether you like them or not. Your job as a Christian is to pray for them. But some people in our society, they are so biased against him that even when he does good things, they can't see it. Right away, everything that he does or says, people go, well, that's because he's a racist. That's because he's a bigot in some way. That's because he hates people. And so it clouds people's minds. And by the way, the danger with all that is that if every single thing a person does, you give credit as being evil and wicked, when they actually do something that's evil or wicked, now you've run out of words to use. It's like the little boy who cried wolf. Eventually, people don't believe you anymore. And again, I, I believe that there are some things that the president has done that it probably hasn't been right. But yet when all you hear is negative, 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 negative about everything, I mean, he could help a little old lady cross the street and people are going to yell about it. Why? Because again, the minds are so, so clouded that when something truthful is presented, you can't see it. And so it's the exact same way with God. You and I as human beings, we are so sinful, our hearts are so desperately wicked that our minds and our hearts are clouded to the things of God. 
you can't possibly, can't possibly have a relationship with him unless it's granted to you. That, that, that at some point, you, your heart even said, all right, there's even a possibility that there's really such a thing as a God. And, and your heart was even open to the possibility that, that maybe Jesus is God in the flesh and that Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life and Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But that was granted to you to even open your mind even that little bit so that you could then begin that journey towards discovering, okay, is the truths that Jesus made true or not? There are the claims, I should say, the claims that Jesus made true or not. And over time, as you investigated it, and it may have been weeks or months or years, eventually you got to that place that you said, all right, I need to ask Jesus for his forgiveness. I need him to be the leader of my life. I need to turn from my sins in repentance. But that wasn't because you are smart. It's because God allowed you to have that. Here, here's what uh, the Apostle Paul, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a what? This is a, a gift from God. And so here's my suggestion to you. When you come across somebody that is anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-the Bible, don't go, well, you're so stupid. I mean, it's so obvious. It's obvious what God wants to do in your life. It's obvious who God is. Don't, don't say that. You know what you want to do? In those moments, what you want to do is pray for them. Pray that God will open up their mind, open up their heart, take away some of that cloudiness for them so that they're even open to the possibility that there's a God, that they're even open to the possibility of who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do in their life. That's where you start. You pray just as Ezekiel did, and he, he prophesied that God would turn their heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Let's continue on then with the story. Matthew chapter 13, verses 12 to 13. Jesus says, To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have, it will be taken away from them. That is why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Now, notice what Jesus says here, that the more you understand, the more you accept what it is that he's teaching, the more understanding and truth will be given to you. But if you reject the truth, he's not going to give you more truth. Now, so far in the message, maybe you've been just sort of thinking of this message as, okay, us and, and we as followers of Jesus and, and how this relates to unbelievers, but I want you to start to switch your mind here throughout the rest of the message of, okay, some of this has to do with us as well. Because even as a follower of Jesus right now, the more you accept his word, the more you believe that this is the truth, the more you actually obey it and live it out, listen and understand, the more he's going to reveal more spiritual truth to you. But if you keep rejecting it, and you're going, yeah, I know, God, what your word says, but... He's not going to give you any more insight, any more truth. Why? 
Because what happens is the, the more head knowledge you get, the more religious you'll become. And the more religious you become, the more you're going to start beating people over the head with the Bible. And that's not the kind of love and the grace that Jesus would have for us to, to share our faith with people outside. And so a lot of this has to, to do with you. In fact, it leads to my second point here today. My insight into spiritual truths has way more to do with the condition of my heart than it does with how smart I am in my head. You know, often I hear people say, I'm, I tried to read the Bible, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. I must be so dumb. And that's not the case at all. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to have reading and, and you know, skills and comprehension skills, just even the basics. But your, your comprehension of God's word, your understanding of God's word, has nothing to do with your education level. doesn't have anything to do with how smart you are in the head. It has to do with your heart. The real issue is the heart. And the more your heart is open that this is God's word, and this has the power to change me, the more it will actually end up doing just that. Let me illustrate it for you this way. If you have a ball of wax and a ball of clay, both of equal size, and we lay them outside on a hot summer day, and we leave them out there for the same amount of time, what happens to the ball of wax? Go ahead, shout it out. It melts. Very good. You guys are awake today. Uh, good. So, so loud that even the people online probably were able to hear you. Good. All right. All right. So it melts. What about the ball of clay? What happens to that? It hardens. Same sun, same amount of exposure. The only difference was the material in which it was made. And you need to understand it's the exact same way with your heart. Same Bible is given to all of us. All of us can have the same exposure to it. If we want, we can read it 24-7. But why is it that some people's hearts melt and get soft to the things of God and some people's hearts get hardened to the things of God? Why is that? Why, why is it that, that some people read it and it changes their lives? While other people read it and, and they go, it's just a book of fairy tales. It has nothing to do with our lives. Again, I'm not talking just believers and unbelievers here. I'm talking even believers. That when you read God's word today, is God's word softening your heart? Changing you? So that God says, all right, they understood that spiritual truth. I'm going to give them more. And I'm going to give them more. And I'm going to give them more. Or as you read it, does your heart get hardened? To the point that, again, God's going to go, I'm not giving them any more spiritual insight and truth. I'm going to make it confusing for them when they read it. Because if they're not going to uh, obey it and they're just going to use it as a, a thing to, to beat people over the head with, become a Bible thumper of some sort, that, that's not the plan. That's not the goal. So the, the question is, what would it take? What, what would happen that would cause you and I's hearts to potentially get hard instead of soft. Well, that's what I want to take the remainder of our time here today to look at, is when the heat of God's Word comes in, when the light of God's Word comes in, are you getting softer in the heart or harder in the heart? So why, why would you get a hard heart? Well, a couple things. Letter A there on your outline is this. If I'm unwilling to change. 
I've shared this with you before. Too many people read this book for consideration rather than participation. Let me say that again. Many, many people read this for consideration, not participation. God doesn't give you that option. It isn't the option to say, I'm going to read it, and then, well, if I feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. Or if I like it, I'll do it. Or if it doesn't go against what everybody else, you know, my friends and family and the culture saying, then I'll do it. You don't get that option. God wants us to participate in his plan, to to follow what it is that he says here. Here, Here's what uh, Jesus says in John 17, 7. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. The key word there is chooses. You must choose to do the will of God. And where do we find the will of God? Shout it out. Where do we find the will of God? In your Bible. So you have a choice. Number one, am I going to read it? Number two, am I going to be open to what it is that God has to say? And even the parts that I don't like what it has to say. Am I still willing to change and participate in his plan rather than just consider it? So really, we've got to change from this mindset of my will be done to your will be done. Letter B. Why would your heart get hard? Well, maybe it's if I cherish sin in my heart. You know, many people, they truly want to know God better. They, they want to know his word better. And they, they cry out to God, God, you know, answer my prayers. God, help me to understand. But yet, at the same time, they've got this secret sin that they're, they're cherishing in their heart that they won't let go of. Your heart gets hard. Look at what David writes in Psalm 66, verses 18 and 19. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would have not have listened. But I did, and he paid attention to my prayer. So if that's you here this morning, and you're like, I don't understand God's word, and, and God doesn't seem to answer my prayers, what is the sin that you're holding on to that you're not letting go of? Here's the good news. We know this. God says, if you'll confess your sins to me, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. So you're only a prayer away right now from things changing for you. Confess it to him. And then repent. Repent just simply means to turn and go the opposite way, that I was going this way, I was doing my thing, I was participating in this sin, but now I'm turning away from that sin and I'm going God's way and I'm going to do His thing. If you'll do that, if you'll confess your sins, you'll repent of your sins, this book will start to come alive to you in ways that it never has before and your life will change. I guarantee it. Your life will change. But you can't have these sins still in your heart. Letter C, how does your heart get hard? Well, if I fail to seek him. If you fail to seek him. Now, I'm about to confess something to you that you're going to think, wow, he is the absolute most horrible person in the world. All right? Let me set it up, though. I'm 47 years old, but I'm just a... I'm still a big kid, right? I'm a Toys R Us kid. I still love to play games, and, and Lisa actually encourages it. Right? She's like, why don't you play a video game right now? I was like, okay. <laughs> sit, sit down. <laughs> there I am, right? So I, I love to play games. 
And when I'm together with people, you know, let's play a board game. Let's play a card game. I, I, just, I just love games. And I think that's one of the reasons, like, little kids like to hang out with me is because I'll play games with them. You know, most adults are like, don't bother me, kid, you know, and stuff. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, let, let's play a game. And maybe because I'm so short, they think, oh, he's about my size. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a part of it. I don't know. But anyway, I love to play games with people. But I am 47, and so I do get tired, and, you know, sometimes it's just, like, bored with, you know, this is the... 77th consecutive game of tic-tac-toe that we're playing. <coughs> Ryan, uh, wherever. <laughs> Is he in here? <laughs> no, I, lo- I love Ryan. He's, he's like a, a son uh, to me. But uh, anyway, uh, but, but all kids, you know, eventually the same game gets boring and boring and boring. So here's the part where I'm horrible. My go-to trick in those situations is saying, I got an idea. Let's play hide and seek. You find your best place to hide. I mean, the place that I absolutely cannot find you. And I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to count to 20. And then I'm going to come find you. One, two, three. I get all the way to 20. Ready or not, here I come. And then what do I do? I just sit there, and I don't actually go in and find them. Again, I'm horrible. It's wrong. But it's effective. <laughs> But here's the point. The game of hide and seek only works if somebody hides and somebody seeks, right? Many of you think that God is hiding from me in some way, that I can't understand this book, I can't understand his will for my life, I don't know what his purpose is for me because he's hiding it from me. Well, if that's true, let me ask you a question. If God is hiding, are you? Are you seeking? Or are you just sitting there like I do? Never going to find somebody if you just sit there. You've got to seek. Jeremiah. The, the prophet in, in Jeremiah 29, 13, God is speaking through Jeremiah. And God says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your what? When you seek me with all of your heart. So the key is we've got to seek. I mean, if we truly believe that this is God's word and that this book has the answers for everything in life, then that is the most important quest you'll ever be on. And so are you spending the time seeking God or not? He says, if you will seek me, you will find me, but only when you seek me with all of your heart. A soft heart, a heart of wax that's that's, that's soft, that's moldable. It's only then that you can find them. Letter D, what hardens the heart? It's if I hate others. Again, as I talked about earlier, hate and unforgiveness, they cloud our judgment. And they keep us from, from acting in the way that we should, and it keeps us from our ability to truly see God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, John writes this, If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Listen, God doesn't just want to be known God wants to be loved. 
Let me say that again. God doesn't just want to be known intellectually. God wants you to love him with all of your heart. And so what he's saying is, look, if you can't do that with the people that you physically can see with your eyes, how in the world are you going to do it with me that you can't see? If you're just hating on people and you have all this unforgiveness just build up in your heart, all that's doing is making your heart harder. And so you've got to go to that person and you've got to forgive them. You've got to love them. Because what that does is then it starts to soften your heart. And, and you start to see that, wow, okay, that's how God loved me. That even though I did things that he should have hated, that he should have never forgiven, God loved me so much that he died in my place so I could be forgiven. And now your heart has changed. And you're on a much better track. But if you live and you have hate and bigotry and racism and all kinds of other things, you're going to be in deep trouble. And again, as I said earlier, God doesn't want to reveal his word to you just so you have a lot of intellectual head knowledge and just beat people over the head with it. He wants to reveal his word to you so that you can become more like Jesus and love people in the way that Jesus loved people. Last one, letter E. Your heart may get hardened if I value the approval of others more than I do God's. You know, so often people care more about what their friends say or what the culture says is right instead of, okay, what is it that God says is right? Well, turn over to John 5, 44. John writes this, and he's quoting Jesus. He says, no wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. See, if you're seeking the approval of others all the time, that's a, that's a head thing, not a heart thing. That I want to be liked. I don't want people to think negatively of me. I, I want all the the blue check marks on Twitter to think that I'm woke and part of the in crowd. That's not how it works. If you're like that, you're blinded to the truth of God's word. And listen, an idolatrous heart will always lead to an unbelieving head. Let me say that again. An idolatrous heart will always lead to an unbelieving head. So here's the big thought for today. If, if you don't get anything else out of today, write this down, or if you're taking notes, put it there on your outline. Insight into truth is as much a matter of the heart as it is of the head. You see, that, that's why Jesus spoke in parables, so that those who had a heart for God could know the truth, but those whose hearts were hard, they wouldn't be able to use God's word in a way that would hurt other people. Again, the same sun that softens wax hardens clay. And the same word that sometimes softens someone's heart will harden other people's hearts. That has to do with you. Are you open? Are you 
accepting that, yes, this is God's word to us? And are you asking, God, help me to, to listen, not just to the words, but help me to listen with my heart, to, to seek after you, to, to understand what it is that you have for me to do, to truly obey it and accept it? So how about you guys? Those of you that are alive with us, those of you who are watching online, where's your heart at today? Are you truly listening or not? Or are you more like what I was with Nate at the beginning? Remember, I shared the story that he called, and I heard him, but I didn't really hear him. I misunderstood. And what turned out to be the truth, I was blinded to all that. And I was, I was running on another path because of what I thought the truth was. point is this, the major problem for me was the noise that was around. The air conditioning unit, the, the, the pool pump, made it difficult for me to hear. And so what are the distractions in your life right now? What is it that's keeping you from hearing God fully? What is it that's hardening your heart? Whatever it is, again, the good news is that can be done today. Confess it to God. Ask for his forgiveness. Repent if there's any sin. And then change. Ask him to make your heart of stone and a heart of flesh. And then just start taking next steps. That's what we're all about here at Exponential. Helping people take life-changing next steps in their journey towards God. All of us are on a journey. So what is the next step you need to take right here and right now? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you that your word is living and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So, Lord, I pray that my words today, your spirit has been translating into the hearts and the minds of people today. And where your sword needed to, to come in and, and to do a little bit of spiritual surgery that you've been doing that. And yes, it's painful in the moment to go through surgery. But surgery is always meant for long-term gain. So Lord, right now, again, have your spirit convicting us in any way that we need to be convicted. And help us to, to understand that that yes, it's painful, but if I'll make this change, my life will be so much better. And so Lord, whatever the next step is that you would have for us to take today individually and even corporately as a church body, Lord, I pray that you would reveal that to us and that we would have the courage, the courage to take that next step, just to be obedient. And Lord, as we start to take those next steps, it is so amazing then how we crack open your word and it just comes alive to us. And we're like, oh, I never saw that before. Wow. And again, it gives us another next step that we can take. And then one after that and another after that. And you just keep revealing more and more of your truth to us. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Lord, help us not to be blind. Help us not to be hard-hearted anymore. Help us not to be hard of hearing anymore. Help us to truly hear what your truth is and obey it all the days of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.